Chapter Tactics. This is the 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me I have two gracious co-hosts, Scary from Scardcast. Why, hello, everyone. And fresh off his Chapter Tactics hiatus, Peter the Falcon. Oh, I loved it. He, oh, he I learned did something a new trick. There. I'm just doing all sorts of things. I'm crazy. I'm a wild thing. I'm a wild right child. On. You can't Speaking stop me. Speaking of wild childs, GW uh, released a preview this weekend. That's what we're going to be talking about. We're also going to be talking about the ITC teams and maybe how we can overhaul it and also why you should even consider jo- consider joining or making an ITC team of your own. Uh, if you are a listening and you are not a member of the ITC I understand completely. Sometimes this podcast focuses on ITC things. This is going to be one of those episodes. Uh, So I highly recommend you go over to FrontlineGaming.org and check out the ITC uh, because joining team, making an ITC team is free and very, very easy. However, if that's not your thing, I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. But you should at least (laughs) stick around for when we talk about the previews because there's, I think there's some salt that we got to get off our chest. Mm. Bye, Just a Felicia. little bit. <laughs> All right. And then, of course, as always, FrontlineGaming.org sponsored this episode. Head on over to the, there to pick up all your awesome stuff, uh, like GW pre-orders this week, the Lumineth Realm Lord stuff, Ooh, mm. Age of Sigmar. They're actually really, I'm actually really hyped up for Some of that models. stuff looks so good. That, so um, good. the dude, oh, what's his name? Oh, my The fantasy. Light of Altherion? Oh, yes. Oh, Altherion the, the Grim. Such a garbage fantasy character. They made him so amazing. That model. Ugh. Mm. Uh, okay, so real quick, this is normally not a lore podcast. However, I read the lore for the Athar and the Grim armor, and I'd just like to briefly Cliff Notes recap it, because I think it's some of the silliest lore ever. So, Athar and the Grim, if you're, if you're familiar with the Warmer Fantasy Old World, he was essentially High Elf Batman. He was like, he was a, a badass. Um, Peter didn't like him. That's okay. No. He was a super famous grim. fantasy character, super grim, super Batman esque. Just you know, very grim, dark. Uh, no, no, tr- no fun stuff. No funny business. Pretty fought good a fat goblin a lot. Yeah, he he got disintegrated by Archon the Black in the end times. So that was the last you heard of him. Was him getting disintegrated in the dust? Thanos, like poofed. many heroes. Yeah, exactly. So he got he got Thanos uh, snapped basically. Uh, and in Age of Sigmar, fast forward into the future, Teclis is creating this new Lumineth Realm Lords army, right? And he decides that he wants to bring Altharion back. So he copies his armor and his weapons from memory to a T, and then meditates for a week, pulling all of Altharion's particles into, like, plucking them from the universe. Mm. Just boop, 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 picking mm. up Altharion, <laughs> and then finding an elf... To uh, for Altharion to possess, yeah. and put so he could put the particles in the elf. He does this. The Archon curse disintegrates the elf, and mm. Teclis starts crying. Ah, literally starts crying. And I don't. I I think this is implied, but essentially his crying uh, led to Altharion the energy um, taking over and possessing the armor. That is how we get Altharion the Grim, mm. or our, the Light of Altharion. Well, thank you for so ruining like, that for me. Well, you <laughs> know, I wanted to read that for myself, but, you know, I yeah. appreciate it. All of our listeners um, are super upset, um, both because the story is terrible and because you hey. ruined it for them. Oh, fair. The I'm so, I apologize, listeners. I forgot. I'll put a spoiler alert 
at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Please do. For those of you who care about the Lumineth Realm, the Lumineth Realm Lords uh, story. Anyways, um, lo- I I went on that tangent rant because uh, I Age of Sigmar has some really beautiful models, but I'm still I'm just reminded time and time again that the fluff just doesn't match with Warhammer 40k and with even fantasy. Some of the fantasy fluff I think is still a lot better than Age of so Sigmar. Good. So, so uh, I, I could do a whole podcast on just fantasy lore and how much I love it. Oh my it. god, I love oh great. Anyway. Anyways, uh moving on to uh Warmer 40k, I I'm hoping that GW leads to a 40k end times and I was actually I actually kind of thought that this is where this previews would go and that's where the the world the direction they would take the world. We mm-hmm. haven't seen a Primarch in 3 years. Uh we did get the Silent King, which is really cool. I guess you could say he's a Xenos Primarch, which is okay. Um but more importantly, GW had to get off their chest that Space Marines are still going to be good. Uh, and Necrons are getting some, you know, more Necron stuff than they've gotten in the last few years. Uh, but GW doubled down on uh, Space Marines getting cool stuff. Uh, and honestly, that that's basically it. That's what the that's the preview is they, they revealed Space Marines and Necron stuff. And then I think some stuff that maybe 40k players don't necessarily care about. Um, what what are your thoughts on the Necron rules, A, Peter and Skari? And then also, what are your thoughts on uh, what GW, the direction GW is taking Space Marines and the kind of the future of uh, 9th edition? Skari, you go first. So, the direction that um, they're taking Space Marines, you know, I do own a Space Marine army, my Black Templars, so from, like, that perspective, I'm excited to see, like, the old tactical Marines that I've had since, like, 3rd edition maybe see a, a new lease in life, essentially. Putting, you know, with a couple extra wounds and stuff like that. I think it's like a last hurrah before they potentially say, you know what, I think it's time to call, you know, to say that's the end for, you know, the, the oldies, but the goodies, right? So, uh, I don't know, I'm going to ride this wave with my Space Marines. As for the direction uh, that the game is going in, you know, the... From what I've seen in, like, the tournaments that are happening and, you know, people playing games and making lists, there's, like, a lot of variety out there right now, in my opinion. I feel like people are just taking some really wacky things, like, lists are very rarely the exact same um, from army list to army list, so... It's I I have a I you know I then again I'm known to be a chronic optimist here but you know I try I try and look at the positives in in uh, something that we spend a lot of money time and effort in. Yeah, I th- I think I mostly agree. I think I I have some concerns. Um, so I, let's lay out the good. I like what they're doing with Necrons. They're giving them so many toys. Some of those new models that we hadn't seen leaked yet that just kind of came out of nowhere are gorgeous um so like aesthetically i love all their little tentacle dudes maybe it's a hentai thing but i'm into it um so that's really good we've kind we didn't get much in the terms of rules previews for necrons other than a stat line for silent king um and and like a rough outline of what the the new special characters do and that close combat unit um and they all look fine uh I would really like to see that, like the final say on reanimation protocols. There was some leaked stuff from the White Dwarf today that indicates that it's way crazier than it already is. So that's a good thing because that's kind of like the core mechanic of the army. So we'll really have to see what that is before I really, you know, give a final verdict on Necrons. Um, 
but I like it so far because it does look it does look like they're getting love. I I think I'm with I want to say it's the majority, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the majority are completely different than me, but I think I'm with the majority in saying maybe we could slow down on new Space Marine releases for half a minute. Um, because like when they announced on the pre- on the preview, you know, 98 codex entries in the core Space Marine book, like not counting supplements, that is the most absurd thing. And the fact we're adding more makes it worse. Like 98 sheets. What is that? What is going on? And then we just added three new land speeders to it. Uh, well, the Primaris version, the Storm Speeder, uh, which do all look cool. And we're getting um, some like new variants on the stuff we just got out of Indominus because we're getting the actual kits. So you can actually put a multi melt on an Eradicator now. Like, I just, I would, I, I think, and I hope that after we get this release and then we get the couple supplements we don't have, that we take a break. Just like let it breathe, bring in something else, and then hopefully, like Skari says, in a couple years' time, we can we can finally retire some of the old boys. Maybe this is that last hurrah, and we can get rid of like fifty of these data sheets and kind of trim it down a little bit, um, because there's just so much going on now in that in just one book, um, and it's not surprising that Space Marines are. I'm not going to say they're head and shoulders above everybody else, um, but I would say that they are like prob like the most competitive faction that we currently have. I mean, Harlequins are doing very well. We're seeing some work out of Custodes, out of um, Death Guard. Other factions like can compete if they try hard enough, but like Power Armor is doing so good. And then they announced that they were the in the coming two months we're going to get Death Guard, Blood Angels, Death Watch. And what was the fourth book? Space Wolves? No, let's see. I've got it up right here. I th- I, th- I believe I it was Space Wolves. Like Space You're right. Wolves. It's Space yeah. Wolves. So we're getting basically three more Space Marine codexes. Um, and then Death Guard. I, like, I know that doesn't sit well with people. Um, just because like it just, it just doesn't seem to stop. So I'm really hoping that after we get that, maybe we'll get Dark Angels so that they can not you know, complain too much in January. And then maybe we get some <laughs> smooth sailing of just, you know, month after month of really cool Xenos and, like, Chaos books. That's what I really want to see, because they, they need the love way more than, you know, Marines that have essentially gotten consistent love since September of 2019. All right, here comes another rant. This is the serious rant, not the fluff-fueled garbage that, that happened at the beginning of the podcast. GW, y'all need to pay attention. So there's two ways to look at uh, the power of a game. You can look at stats like Peter the Falcon does in 40k stat center when there were tournaments. Uh, and you can look at perception, right? So like, and they're both different. They're both very, very important. Uh, when you're making a power ranking, um, you should, I think you should look at both. Uh, you should look at how people perceive a faction's power. And you should see how a faction actually performs on the tabletop. Uh, and that's because human beings are affected by what they perceive as good and what isn't good, especially from a competitive standpoint, right? So what I mean by that is players are going to naturally gravitate towards the more powerful strategies. Even the fluffiest, non-competitive players in the entire world uh, get very bored and try... They don't run things that that don't work for them. Um, So, Space Marines are good. 
the, I agree with Peter. I don't think they're the best faction consistently. Um, I think they're probably overall the number one faction. Like if they, I think they'd be on number one on most people's lists if you had to list all the factions from best to worst. But they can be beaten. But that's not the point. Because we don't have facts to prove that. So we're only going off speculation and uh, incomplete data. And the perception of Warmer 40k shows that Space Marines have been good for over a year now. And when you can, when you take put that into consideration with the fact that people have been saying Space Marines were going to be an issue for a year and a half, right? So uh, if you remember the the Las Vegas Open uh, patron exclusive uh, episode where Jeff talked about how Space Marines were going to be really good and that we should we should be careful, uh, and then when that got released to the public, that was in uh, February March of two thousand and nineteen. Right, and then for that entire summer, we talked about Space Marines, and then uh, Jeff, rest in peace, buddy, uh, tried to give us one final warning, and then the Space Marine book hit September 2019, so a year ago, a little over, a little over a year ago now. When that book hit, I remember talking about how Space Marines have been getting consecutive buffs because remember they were bad; they were bad in Eighth Edition, the middle of Eighth Edition to the 2018 season, they were not great; they were okay. Uh, so they got buff after buff. Aggressors got cheaper. Uh, Centurions got a, a lot cheaper. Maybe not the Devastator ones, but uh, Centurions were getting cheaper. Characters were getting cheaper. They were getting new rules. Uh, they had just gotten the uh, Bolter. The, uh, yeah, they the got Shock Assault and they got shock the assault, Bolter Discipline. That 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 uh, winter. So they're, they're getting consecutive buffs over and over. You've been buffing them for two years, GW. So when we saw the Space Marine Codex and we saw what was coming, especially with Iron Hands in October... We all as a community told you, hey, the, what's going on? Like, this is this is bad. Like, hold this on. Is stop. Crazy. Stop. And then it, then uh, GW just felt like they just kept doubling down. They're just like, oh, uh, I understand for chapter approved of 2019, it was too late. I understand that completely. However, it wasn't too late for chapter approved 2020. So I hoped that maybe GW would say something to address the fact that they know Space Marines are, are really good and they're perceived as the best faction. Um, and I think that that does that's that shows a bad, uh, unhealthy meta leading into 9th edition. I think that if Space Marines continue to be this dominant and if GW doesn't basically nip this in the bud now and say, we know that we know that they're good, this is our plan to make sure that we're going to fix our game to give all you non-Space Marine players a chance, that, the fact that they haven't done that is kind of shocking to be honest, uh, but also doesn't bode well for ninth edition because what's going to end up happening is you're going to have two years of space marine dominance, a year and a half, two years of space marine dominance. Players are going to look at that and then go up oh, 40k is a space marine dominant meta, and then by the time you do get around to fixing the meta and maybe bringing every codex in line, it's going to be too late. The, the, you know, think about the timeline we have. We're going to get four codexes by the end of the year. I think four codexes by like early 2021, uh, which means that every codex is going to, if you keep up with that release schedule, every codex is going to be updated by the end of 2022, or I guess the beginning of 2022, maybe. Which means you're going to have a whole nother year of people, please GW, give me more rules, please. My 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 Tyranids are, you know, it's it, we're going to be drip fed, hopefully good rules. And anyways, I'm just I'm just very I'm just very upset. Um, I really hope I'm a big Space Marine fan. I play a lot of Space Marines. I love what they're doing. I love the new models. That's cool. 
I even I don't even mind that they're really strong. I think they should be one of the stronger factions. Um, I just want some sort of clarity or transparency from GW or anyone telling me like, oh, we we know this is bad. We're going to give everyone we're going to give everyone a boost, and this chapter approved. Like you better buy it because it's going to be awesome. Because I know chapter approved, they already know what's in chapter approved. It's, it's printed. It's coming out in three months, so they know what's up. <sighs> Anyways, I feel yeah. I feel it like you like I think you I agree with basically everything you've said. I do want to say that COVID really did kind of hurt a lot of our perception as well. That's true. Um, because we didn't get a couple of the metas that, and maybe they wouldn't have shown up, but metas that we saw in like the, the TTS world uh, when that was a thing. Um, what like yeah, um, some bigger players were talking about. If you watched a lot of streams during that early COVID time. You know, we missed out on like the this like super dominant Farside Enclaves list from Tau for late eighth, unless you really focused on TTS. You didn't really get to see just how amazing that was and how dominant it probably would have been. Um, and that's not good for the game either, given people's normal perception of Tau uh, being an unfun army to play against. Um, but at least it wouldn't have been Space Marines. We had Engine War come out and make Admech really strong. I'm not sure if that would have shown as much because uh, of hobby lag, because most of the strength was in new models that you would have to wait and buy. Um, but like what we've we missed out on some things that maybe would have tempered, I think, like the public opinion. Um, but be- but because we missed out on that, it it has basically felt like like you said, a full year of seeing what Jeff had talked about back in February of uh, 2019. Um, and now we're kind of moving into this realm of, yes, there are factions that can perform against Marines, um, but not everybody can make that work, right? Um, Custodies are now one of the most popular factions in the game. They have barely a 10% win rate against Space Marines. They can beat everybody else. Space Marines are a problem for them. Um, Harlequins are extremely strong, but they're a very niche army. Not a lot of people own them. And they aren't exactly this easiest to play. There's a lot of finesse there. So it's it's definitely something that I really do hope gets addressed. And I'm not sure. And I'm, so I'm crossed fingers. I don't want to be super doom and gloom because I really, we don't know what the full codex is going to show. Maybe it tones them down a lot more than it boosts them up. Um, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Now, Scar, if you don't mind, I'm going to end it on a, on a plea. PSA a statement to everyone listening. Uh, I did not rant for no reason. Uh, there is a means to an end here, and that is ask everyone listening to this podcast. All you know, thousands and thousands of you. There's a all lot of people, seventeen of you. All twenty and of all you, your bots. Seventeen <laughs> of you, exactly. All all of you bots. All anyways. If you're listening to this podcast, there are a lot of you, uh, and I'm humbled every day by the listeners who listen to this podcast and show us the you know support and loyalty that. Um, I, for frankly, I don't think I deserve, but you're, you're the best listeners ever. I say that every episode and I mean it. So I'm asking you next time you go into a forum, YouTube comment section, a Facebook post, and you see, oh, space Marines are OP, doom, gloom, 40 K is dying. Just don't, don't add fuel to the fire or you can quite simply say the truth. That is, yeah, space Marines are good right now. They're not the best consistently. They can be beaten. But this isn't what the hobby, this isn't the direction the hobby is going to go. And the reason why you need to say that is because new players are going to keep their eyes on this game more and more. We're experiencing a a worldwide growth in nerd stuff and nerdery across the board. 40K is growing, video games are growing, comic books are growing, everything's growing. 
we've 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 had a huge nerdery renaissance and uh due to the climate going on right now with people staying indoors uh people having some income people having more time on their hands to divulge in hobbies and things like that or maybe they need distractions uh you see it across the board you see board game sales going up everything's kind of going up right and so with all these new eyeballs uh in tandem with the new eyeballs we're going to get from netflix specials and you know cool shorts and whatever uh we're going to have new players see what you post online it's going to happen so be an ambassador for the game don't paint the game in a super negative light. I know that it's a hobby to complain about the hobby. Uh, try to check that impulse uh, and then just let everyone know Space Marines is really good. They can be beaten. This game has a lot more to it than just Space Marines on Space Marines. It is not a new 30k you know, game. It's not 30k. It's, there are other factions. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have the data to back that up, which is why... I, we have to rely on community people, um, good actors to say stuff like that. So call to action, keep down the doom and gloom for now. Um, and I know I spent like, like 10 minutes ranting about it, but that's more just like GW also needs to adopt that, that mentality too. GW also needs to say, Hey, it's not doom and gloom. This is our strategy. Fix it. Right. This is how we're going to fix it. So that's it. Uh, we're just going to hit a commercial break starting uh now and then we'll get right back into the main topic what you clicked on support for this podcast comes from invent together according to studies less than 13 percent of all inventors who hold a u.s patent are women black and hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts but we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups it would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Are you listening to uh, Chapter Tactics, the podcast? Of course you are. That's why you're here. Uh, well, did you know that we have a Patreon that is, if you want to help us keep the lights on, you can head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics, uh, where you can help support the podcast, answer, uh, ask us questions that we answer live on air, win cool, awesome prizes, and so much more. Last month, we gave away an Indominus box to one lucky patron. This month, I have no idea what we're going to give away to, but it's going to be something cool. I promise. Uh, and of course, if you feel like just uh, donating a few couple bucks a month as well to help us out, maybe you like the podcast, please do so. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, 
this is the first ad, but if you're listening on uh, Megaphone, Spotify, all those other, this is the third ad that you've heard in a row. Um, I also want to thank you for sticking through three ads. Uh, advertisements really help the podcast out a lot. Uh, it helps us grow the Frontline Gaming Network um, and, you know, help us helps us create this content that you all love and to listen to. Yeah, and Anyways, go buy some of that foot cream. Go buy some of that foot cream. <laughs> Back to your regularly scheduled episode of Chapter Tactics. All right, and we're back. I've cleared my chakra. Let's talk about the ITC teams. So if you don't know what the ITC teams are, if you don't know what the ITC is, <clears throat> I'm not going to educate you too much. The Cliff Notes is <laughs> there's an independent tournament circuit, uh, and people compete around the world. Uh, we crown the best player of uh, in the ITC at the end of or at the beginning of the year in February um, every year. Um, maybe not this year. Who knows? But uh, there's also another aspect to it, and that's the team. So there's uh, clubs and teams that you can get together with your buddies, and you all compare your ITC scores, and then compare your overall average, your overall total ITC scores with the rest of the world. <clears throat> and then what this leads to is the end of uh, the end of the season. You have the three best ITC teams with the best players um, who get crowned the best, and uh, typically what this kind of has uh, devolved to is um, you get one to three like monster teams that just get as many names as possible added onto their team. Uh, and they, they usually do really well just by sheer numbers. They have really good players too. Uh, and th there are systems in place to prevent just you from just getting 200 players on your team and doing well. It only counts a limited amount of scores. Um, so after a while, once you, you know, after a while, it doesn't matter how many people you have in your team. Uh, and then on the flip side, you also get teams with uh, a core six or five or six group of guys and gals who just do really well. Uh, last year, it was Team Brohammered coming out of Florida. Uh, they just, they killed it. They were, they were top fouring every single event they went to. They were going to all the events. And then ultimately, uh, they had two players, almost three players in the top eight, representing the top eight the LVO. Something mm -hmm. like that, Peter? Yes. So, uh, that last year it was Team Brohammered. Um, we've had a couple other teams in the past, and that's basically that's basically what the top teams consist of. Now, that's cool. I've always loved the idea of uh, com competing with teams, um, but there's really not a lot of regulation uh, within the ITC and uh, that beyond that. It's, it's always been more fun, um, and I've always felt like there was some untapped potential in that program, in that the idea of ITC teams that I would like to talk about, uh, which is why I kind of picked this topic for the episode. So, Peter and Skari, what is your what is your experience with uh, ITC teams in general, and uh, what are what are your general thoughts about it? What does it mean to you? So, I think teams themselves are a great way to sort of, I want to say, like fight for a common purpose you know it's like a it's like a sense of community with you know a group of friends or you know a group of like-minded people from across the the globe or wherever your team is from and it's a chance for you to sort of test your metal and rank yourselves against um the rest of the players in the world you know we're we're humans we love competition it's nice to be able to compete and and kind of rank not only yourself but also you know those that that you surround yourself with 
against uh, a, a field of other like-minded people. You know, it's that sense of uh, belonging, right? When you're you're not just doing it. You know, each tournament doesn't isn't just about your own personal success or your accolades. At that point, you're starting to represent, you know, a group of people or you know something like that. And I think I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I agree. the The, the concept of uh, teams in ITC, kind of as it currently stands, um, it's very much about you know building community. Um, there there are definitely aspects that are competitive because there are people that play almost exclusively for that you know ITC yeah, score at the end of the year. Um, but really, at its core, it's very much this kind of warrior lodge uh, mentality. If you want to go into a 40k or 30k fluff. Um, it's, you know, like-minded individuals from a similar area getting together, um, playing a game they love um, as a team, and then, you know, like Skari said, comparing themselves to the rest of the world and seeing where they can take it if they want to go that extra mile. And then eventually one of them stabs their dad with a weird sword, maybe it's a dagger, um, and then they fall to chaos. But other, uh, But prior to that, it's all cool and it's all fun. Yeah, until chaos is involved, and then, mm. then it's not fun. Yeah. It- and the other cool thing about it is there, there's there's a lot to it. There's a lot of dynamics that we don't really talk about um, on this podcast or just in general. Uh, like, for instance, when a team uh, – I was going to say lobotomizes. That's incorrect. Uh, <laughs> when a team cannibalizes another team and then just they join together and become a super team, that's happened before. You've had players um, – actual, you know – competitive drama where two players uh disagree with each other both top level players so both of them leave and split and start their own teams uh you you know it's it's cool it adds a lot of drama and another element to competitive 40k that you really only see if you're a part of a team right and then sometimes it negatively affects you so sometimes it's not the best however uh, as someone who's on the outside looking in uh, i was a part of a team but i was never really active uh, enough and then i think uh, or the, the team disbanded now um but i didn't disband it got mer- it got cannibalized got merged got, into another you got team. ate up yeah it, yeah it which is fine it was all it was all cool chill we all agreed to it um we had a lot of players on our team go their separate ways but um from the outside looking in it's always been something that's super fascinating to me fascinating to me you you even have players uh, or people who they they're more like live for their teams and and the idea of like managing their teams and recruiting players uh there are players that do that now right um <clears throat> so there's all the elements are there for it to be the this cool league competitive thing that's that we can take maybe a little more seriously uh and so that that's also why i wanted to talk about this podcast so um uh, peter and scary i i guess you understand where i'm coming from but how competitive do you think the ITC teams can be beyond just the three highest scoring teams uh, given uh, awards every year? Is Can it be more than that? Or do you think it should be something completely entirely where we have teams and then we have, uh, or I guess teams, then we have like clubs and we should separate them? I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Are you talking about like, you know, what we should do to expand on the process or, yeah, you know, or, or, sort of thing, any, or any thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, personally, I think teams, there should be sort of like a distinction between like a team and like, um, a club. And I think there's, there's like the system itself for teams in the ITC could be reworked to be not just 
you know, about um, like just having a name associated with a group of people, but becoming a lot more than that. I think that there's a lot of potential, you know, in terms of not just having potentially like, yeah, you get like best team and stuff like that. Like it is a, say, an award that is sort of like, um, that is sort of, you know, that is considered or um, acknowledged at the end of the season. However, you know, you want to, I think that, you know, maybe putting some extra guidelines, for example, in like team sizes or composition or things like that, you know, might even make it more of a professional thing. You know, as we're looking at trying to get, uh, you know, 40K into more of like an esports style thing, I think teams are a very, very important part of of that, that sort of, um, that sort of like culture. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if like, I, I yeah, and I, I honestly, it, there's so many, there's so many ideas in my head on it that I think that it's, uh, that it could go, it could like explode and be like a huge, huge, like thing about 40k, not just, you know, playing with our, like playing with our teammates, but playing with everybody. What, yeah, what's I think... one... oh, oh, go ahead, Peter. No, you go ahead, Pablo. You go I was ahead. Just say real quick, Scary. What's one thing that if you could like wave a magic wand and change and have everyone accept it? What's one thing that you think would probably make you happiest to see, or what what change do you think would make you happiest to see um, towards the ITC team events? Um, I think the ITC team teams. events or the no, I'm team sorry, ITC go. teams program. I think the biggest thing that I would like to see is a cap on players. I think a team should be say like twenty players. Um, and then, or whatever, there should be like some sort of form formula to kind of like have it capped and then, um, and then just have a little bit more organization to each team, have like a, you know, spokesperson, captain, whatever it is for each team. And then, you know, help regulate the teams themselves into more like professional sort of like, like governing bodies in, in like a way. Yeah. I, I agree. So this is this is kind of where I was going to take this. I think right now teams are cute. And like we said, they build this kind of camaraderie. There are a few teams that take it, uh, probably a little more than a few, that take it extra serious. Um, but it has become super watered down because of that. Um, we have these super teams, as you kind of called them, that have been created that are like 70, 80, 100 people. Um, so it's just a little too easy for them to take their best, whatever, 10, 20 scores, um, by the end of the year, we saw it very recently, like basically the entire state of Texas became a team, uh, because they wanted to compete on the, on the North American stage. Um, and that caused like the tiniest bit of Corona controversy because there was nothing else going on at the, on that day, um, essentially. But, um, you know, we have these things happening now and it almost doesn't mean anything anymore because of it. Um, so personally, I would love to see it moved to like a 10 or 12 player cap, I think would be fine. Um, you can still have your clubs, you can still work together. Like if you look at other esports, if we want to go that route and mimic things, I mean, there, there are like, there used to be at least before things changed rules wise, like eight Sony teams in League of Legends, you know, there'd be like, or Samsung, there'd be like Samsung white, Samsung black, TSM, (laughs) TSM purple turtle, TSM you know, I don't know, sandwich man, like every, like you can do that. You can have, and we see it when they have team tournaments, right? If Brohammer goes to a team tournament and they bring eight teams because you're only allowed five or six players, you know, there's Brohammer and then there's Brohammer mid and then there's team. I used to be a Brohammer, but now I'm not like, there's a whole, like, like just, you can just drop that down. 
And I don't see why we can't do that. We can't put that kind of a cap so that we add a little, like, just that extra bit of competitiveness back to what we already have before we expand on it and we make it better. Um, because I would love to see team tournaments, uh, particularly in North America, take off. We've seen more and more as, uh, you know, uh, years have gone by. Um, and I think it's just such an intriguing way to play. But it, but I think it gets more intriguing when you can say, you know, the same teams are going to every event or the same teams are participating and you know who's on those teams always. I, I mean, I agree 100%. Uh, uh, one one angle that uh, I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily use, um, but I think it's also very important, is if you limit teams, you make uh, limit players on teams, you make them more marketable for advertisers and yeah. for uh, sponsors, right? So, like... If you go up to, I, I doubt Samsung is ever going to sponsor a Warhammer 40k professional team. However, if you go to like a Samsung, you're like, okay, listen, well, I've got Richard Siegler, I've got Nick Nanavati on my team, like we're we're stacked. They're gonna be like, oh, okay, I don't know what you said, I don't know what a Space <laughs> Marine is, but uh, they're gonna get me a lot of uh, views and clicks. How many shirts do I need to make? And you're like, oh, well, you see, Phil Rotokanakis is our recruiter, uh, and we've got like 200 players. Right, so get them all T-shirts. Samsung's gonna be like, "No, fucking get out of here. We're gonna give you T-shirts to your five players." Right, so uh, players um, uh, limiting the amount of players on a team is more marketable. Uh, we kind of saw that a little bit last year uh, with uh, Richard Siegler and John Lennon, Team Brohammer. I, I mean, listen, I, I they're great. I recognize the team. I couldn't tell you who five more of their players, like more than like their top four players were. Um, you know, it, 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 and and I'm sure they're all really great. I'm sure you know. I don't know how many players are on Team Brohammer. I don't think it matters. I, I, what, what mattered to me and what mattered to a lot of people was the fact that they they had like these four or five superstar players, and they all worked their asses off to be good at 40k and show us almost like new transcendent ways to play the game, right? And that's what people want to see. It's not just marketable from a sponsor perspective, but marketable from a general competitive 40k consumer perspective uh you can put three to five players uh, on a list on a twitch channel or in an overlay uh you you can talk about three to five players and make them a household name with their team right that's uh, or a tabletop name as, as i like to say not a household name um and you can do that right so it's it's just it's very very important i think also to look at it from a not a business standpoint but, but just from a uh consumer standpoint if we're going to make competitive 40k just a little bit more legitimate uh so um let's talk about limiting team sizes what do you think is the right number because i feel like the smaller the number the better but 10 is kind of 10 is where the current itc uh with the in terms of the number of points you can score 10 is currently where it is so your your ten best placements or scores with with I think each player being able to contribute only like three, or their four best scores, something like that. Um, uh, how how do you uh, feel about that? Where where's the number? Where's that sweet spot? I like twelve. I like twelve because if you're going into a regular team tournament, they're generally five players plus a coach or captain, which is six, and so then you kind of have six backups. Um, and I feel that's more than appropriate. It's not like you can't swap players out over the course of a season if things happen. Um, I'm sure someone will try to abuse that if that actually became a rule, but, I mean, it is what it is. Um, but I, I think 12 is a, is a fine number, um, especially for anybody that's going to take it 
extra serious because most of those 12 people, they're going to go to, you know, multiple events in a year, um, in a normal year, not in like a 2020 style year. Um, and so they're going to be getting those points no matter what. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I would go with it. Hmm. I, what about you, Scary? Yeah, I'd concur. Um, I don't think that more needs to be kind of added to that. Hmm. Yeah, I th- I think twelve is fine. I mean, I would maybe go a little smaller than that. Uh, but you know, you know, that is. I think if we just like roll a die, I, I feel like it's just you know it's just as uh, fine. I think we pick any number. Twelve feels a little arbitrary, but so does five. So uh, yeah, a limited amount would be cool. Um, I, l- I also like the, I really like the idea that you brought up, Peter, of of limiting who you can bring on. Um, I've always really wanted that to happen. So I've always liked the idea of like an off season in a game or competitive sport where you have like some wheeling and dealing and some trading and, you know, the idea that people want to make a team. Um, So I think what would be really cool is if we had a captain, coach, uh, recruiter, manager, whatever you want to call them uh, on a team. And then they filled out a roster and submitted it to the ITC. And then that was your roster and you could only change it every so often. Right. So maybe, maybe at the end of like every super major, right? So after Adepticon or after, you know, after ATC or after Nova, uh, that's when you can change your roster and resubmit it. The issue is uh, I can hear Reese screaming at me <laughs> from uh, Boulder City 30 minutes away because that, that's a lot more work for the ITC. Um, that's that's the issue, right? Is how much, how much work will, do we want to put into it as a community and how much work can we get back in return, right? So, um, what do you think are some cool ways that we can like this is a scary word but monetize it or make it make it something that that people like even like GW might start to recognize um that's that's kind of like where my frame of mind is there well i think the first step is to professionalize it right to make it you know more of a less of a kind of like a hodgepodge of friends like even though that's kind of like where the 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 teams are you really have to kind of give it like a face of especially if you want companies involved where you know now you you have to start say not necessarily vetting your players but like companies definitely want to make sure that like their image is like protected when they're you know doing events and stuff like that so they want to make sure you have like the right people on the team or, you know, uh, doing things like Twitch streams and whatnot, where you have people, like, listening and watching. You know, the more people that we get involved in the community and the hobby, the more, the more like, interest there will be from companies to sort of get their product and branding out there. So I think it's, like, a multi-front sort of, like, you know, process where it's not just one thing. It'll have to be sort of, like, a conglomeration of things all joining together to make something happen Hmm. do you think it might be better to limit teams so normally uh, you're allowed to you're allowed to just submit a team you literally just need to sign up for an itc event and write whatever team name you want and poof you have an itc team then you can tell your friends to put their name in bcp or or their team name in bcp or whatever and, and then poof you've got players on your team it's actually really that simple but how would you feel if if maybe we limited it right so you you could only have a hundred teams in the ITC or or maybe instead you could only have players who have an ITC game. I don't know. I, I have no idea how, how would that actually work. Um, is that I, even a thing? I, I personally don't think limiting it would be a good thing. I think um, 
I think that um, you should really sort of like allow, you know, uh, as many different teams as the community wants to sort of build, especially at the beginning, right? You want to make it sort of like inclusive. It's like when you're doing paint scoring at one of your events, if you're running an event, you know, a lot of the times uh, an event organizer might want to not do paint scoring just to make sure that, you know, more people come to his event, right? Or her event. So it's, I think, uh, you could potentially do something like, you know, rank the teams. So like in a, you know, a league, be like, you know, A league, B league, C league or whatever. I think that would be more of an appropriate thing so that you have like the fluffy bunny teams uh, that's like just Joe and his pals or whatever getting together to, you know, have fun with their friends every Friday night. And they've kind of created, the, they have their jerseys and they drink, you know, lots of, lots of alcohol when they're playing or whatever, and they just, like, shoot the shit uh, versus, you know, a very professional, like, sponsored team, you know, when it comes to, like, one-on-one matchups or whatever or, like, play, trying to get placings or something for, like, you know, team rankings, but it's just on a different league, essentially. Yeah, yeah I you mean, could, I agree. You could easily just, yeah, like like uh, Scary said, have layers to it, and you can move up layers based on performance in your current league if you even want to. You can have, you know... Uh, homegrown leagues like you would have like for softball or something where it's you know here's your your beer and pretzel league where you're not even trying to get anywhere you're just here to have fun um, and then you can kind of progress upwards from there and then once it develops enough and you get to a point where it's actually a popular thing that people might be interested in paying attention to on a grander stage and maybe you do that in your a-league to start with you know youtube matchups and things like that um then you can you can go that extra step you can make it bigger make it better um like the world's are oyster right now like you said at the beginning of the show um this game is getting more and more popular every day and despite the kind of current times we're living in we're seeing it grow almost exponentially just from the online presence we're seeing all these um youtubers with bigger and bigger fan bases kind of coming out and saying hey yeah i'm playing warhammer now um and they're putting out videos um tabletop titans is doing a spectacular job thousands of viewers um and it's only going to get bigger it's only going to get better as long as we keep up our ambassadorship of the game with the right people um so that we can put on these shows with these you know top level teams better players with a better production value yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And the the other kind of cool thing, so I'm really glad you brought that up, Peter. Uh, one other thing that I didn't even think about until right now was the idea of uh, getting these big YouTubers and also content creators for 40k, and then having them make their own teams, right? So it, it's one thing to to get your buddies together and take over the state of Texas as a giant warmer 40k team. It's another thing to do that to an entire coast, right? You you could potentially see. Uh, you know, a few a few YouTubers and um, tabletop titans all band together and create this large team that that's West Coast centered, right? That could happen. Uh, you could have uh, you know countries. Uh, I I know a lot of times uh, ETC teams in particular they they're they are all very very uh, fanatical about team tournaments. Not fanatical. They're they're very very passionate about team tournaments over there uh, and community and clubs. I could easily see you know, people, you know, one to two teams forming out of a smaller country coming to the LVO and just trying to do their best. And then also uh, putting out their journey to the general public. That's, that's, 
it's it's great. It's it's an easy marketing tool for YouTubers. Uh, we could have a tabletop titans team, uh, you know, spearheaded by by Brian or Adrian. Uh, we could have a frontline gaming network team, um, spearheaded by me, and then you know we probably do poorly but yeah it is what it is <laughs> you know what? But, it depends on who we can i'm definitely not going to be the centerpiece of the team but but you know uh, where we could easily start this if we wanted to get that going um i maybe okay you can tell me if i'm not allowed to talk about it but i think i am i believe reese has already openly announced that you guys are starting a team tournament hopefully next year if things oh, allow yeah. Yeah, right talk about it yeah yeah so that's a big deal, right? I imagine a lot of people are going to want to go to the LVO of team tournaments. I know we have the um, ETC, which is a big deal. I hope to go next year if I'm allowed. Um, and that's huge. And then if we can have something in the United States outside of ATC where you can have these people form teams that are um, like on another level and then put the proper production value into it, you can make such great things happen with that, right? If you want to have a Tabletop Titans team, you know, where these are people that, uh, you know, viewers will actually want to watch because they have thousands of viewers. If um, the Angry Joe show decides to come and put on a team because he started playing 40K and he's got 3 million subscribers that want to watch that, you can build up from that and make something happen right there, right then, um, as long as you're willing to, you know, put the dollars down on some production value. And And so... To kind of circle back to the point um, I made about the legitimizing of it all, uh, I feel like that that's another step, or that's another reason for making sure it's a little more regulated. Now, of course, there's baby steps here, right? I'm, I'm not saying that we should have, you, you know, uh, free agent signing periods and um, waiver wires and all this, you know, all this crazy complicated stuff. However, if you were um, if you were someone with a, a channel, a 40k channel, or if you were a sponsor. I'm sure it would comfort you to know that some random Joe in, you know, Louisiana isn't going to take your name, right? So, like, if Samsung were to come into the 40K team <laughs> sponsoring business, you know, Joe Schmo from Louisiana isn't going to take Samsung in the ITC, you know, every variation of Samsung, Samsung Rainbow, um, you know, as his team names, and then just make it difficult for them or or be smirching their name or um people like uh, i guess sniping your players by by hiring them i don't know there's i've seen and heard a lot of first-hand experience and second-hand uh stuff about like the wild west of leagues and professional games kind of just like devolving into this this weird chaotic very unfun thing right um it, it it's it's very interesting, right? So I, I believe some regulations are, are more than what we have now. I think they, those might be necessary if we wanted to take this to the next level. Uh, but as Scari said, we definitely want to make it accessible to, um, you know, everyone, right? Because that's not only is that what the ICC has been about, uh, but we want people to be able to um, seamlessly transition from one ITC season to the next, right? So we don't want, like, little Timmy, who's only played in two ITC games, uh, or two ITC tournaments a year uh, to show up with his buddies, um, it, you know, at the start of the season and be confused by these crazy team rules. Like little Timmy should just still be able to show up to his two events a year and compete and with his team and his buddies. So, all right. Well, I guess uh, shifting gears a little bit, Scar and Peter, what are some of the fun things that if you were pitching teams to someone or pitching the idea of ITC teams of someone, where would you start? 
what what are the your favorite aspects about it about being in a team like it well being part of a team means that you kind of win and lose as a team in a lot of ways like it gives you that support structure so if you feel like you're sort of like lacking in a bit of direction or need somebody to, to bounce ideas off of or you know want like some hobby inspiration you know having a, a team really really helps sort of get those like hobby juices flowing when it comes to building an army practicing with an army getting concepts ready like it's there's a lot that goes into it and it, it really kind of like shows when you're a part of a team yeah a good team helps filter out noise it helps it helps center you on concepts that you may not be sure on right rather than going to like a random forum or or reddit post and saying you know hey i think this is good what do you guys think um where you're going to get 800 replies and 700 of them are going to be different um having a team means you can go to these people these that are hopefully your friends or at least uh, a little bit better than acquaintances and and bounce these ideas off like scary said and and get a, an informed opinion that you can use to your advantage to become a better player um and just have fun yeah i i agree 100% um i love the idea of of matching uniforms and uh you know all showing up afterwards to going out to dinner somewhere i've seen i've seen best friends uh you know go out and with their buddies and just have like rituals every year at the LVO where they always go to this steak place at this time, every LVO and they use it as a means to catch up because they don't get the time to when they're working or, or because they live far away. Uh, and you see that all over the place. So the camaraderie yeah. is very real. Uh, good. I was just going to say like that, that speaks to me because like my favorite, uh, several years ago, I went through a real rough time before I ended up moving into the middle of nowhere. And the best thing for me Every week on Tuesdays was I would head over to my Warhammer club. I'd play with the guys that were my team. And afterwards, um, you wouldn't have to say anything. All like 10, 12 of us that were in that room would get up and we'd all go to the same steak place. We'd order, I'd order, uh, what was it? Um, you know, ranch nachos, chicken bacon ranch nachos that gave me the worst heartburn. And we would just talk about Warhammer until like two in the morning. It was the most nerdy thing. You, but usually by about two, like the, the uh, women of the night would start arriving into the place to get their like burgers and fries. But it was just such an, a, a great experience and we loved it every week. It was like the thing for me. And, and that's not something you get from a lot of other uh, communities where you can just do that. Um, I think we yeah yeah sorry Peter you broke up there a little yeah. bit but uh, go ahead Scary no I think I I think I want to mimic what he said you know some of the my best experiences like growing up in the hobby back when I had like just moved to university and I didn't really know anyone was finding the local game store and and then just sort of like meeting and being a part of like a group of people who were like minded and eventually sort of like you know starting a team up or being a part of a team and and everybody going down and like having like a common goal and uh sort of something to sort of you know something to to you know strive for in a way like when when uh when you want to go to an event and kind of you know show show off like the skills and all that good stuff like it always it always um it was just really rewarding. It's like some of the best memories that you have are when you like hang out with a group of friends on your team and and you'll participate in the in the, in a team event or tournament or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it, it's also so much easier to go to events with buddies. It's uh, I remember one time a long time ago I was playing Magic and there was this uh, guy who we all played Commander with, um, and he had ju- his wife had just left him, um, and he was feeling really down, and so uh, we were all kind of like getting ready for our trip to GP Vegas, and I looked at him and I was like, hey, you should you should come come meet us there, and he's like, yeah, maybe I will, and so we all went. We you know we all. It was uh, magic players, so we all st- like twenty people in one hotel room. Um, yeah, uh, it, you, know, you know, all of us playing until two a.m. Uh, but I remember seeing him at the event, and uh, he looked so sad. And I went up to him and I was like, "Hey, dude! Well, like, I'm glad you made it out. Uh, you know, where are you staying? All the normal pleasantries." And um, you know, he kind of like talked to me, and I was like, "It hey, was so we're like, where's your friends at?" And he's like, "Oh, well, I came alone." So this poor guy drove from San Diego to Las Vegas five hours by himself uh, to this, you know, GP. And I like he looked miserable. And when I heard when I found that, I was like, oh, just why don't you come to us with dinner afterwards? Uh, And then long story short, um, he admitted that he was like he didn't want to go and he was going to leave and he dropped out of the main event. Um, And then when I showed up. I convinced him to stick around a little bit longer, and so he renewed his hotel room, and then a couple of us stayed in his hotel room, uh, and then he came out to GP Vegas with us for a few years after that until we all kind of scattered and went our separate ways. But and then he won. <laughs> he never. None, <laughs> none of us ever date toed. It was <laughs> we, we were not very we were not very good uh, um, at particularly at the formats, but. We, we were never that good at magic, so that we consistently day two GP Vegas. We mostly treated it like a fun, fun thing. Mostly because most of the time it was like standard and stuff, except for one year. But anyways, that's not the point. The point is, is that uh, we had a good time. It was always a, a trip that we kind of looked forward to. Um, and you can turn that into any tournament. It doesn't have to be the LVO. You don't have to, you know, gather your group of friends and you know travel eight, ten hours away or whatever. Um, wherever you are to go to the LVO to make that your thing. It can be just a local tournament. It can just be, you know, 20, 30 person GT, um, maybe 30 minutes out. Uh, and the, you meet up in a bar that you never usually go to because it's a new town, right? It's just, it's so supportive. It, it's so helpful. Uh, and it also makes the competitive experience more enjoyable. Mm. Um, you get to bounce ideas off each other. You get to root for each other and cheer for each other. Um, if there's a controversial call or if you're feeling kind of down or upset, uh, you know, your teammates usually, they've got your back. Yeah, there's uh, lots of hugging and butt touching. It's just, it's fun. Th- it's a good it's, time. It's very nice. It's very wholesome. Hey, hey, what stays in Vegas, man? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, Vegas. it also makes you a better player. If you're, if you're, I, I, there's very few people I've met in this game that p- fly solo and do well. There's actually a few, believe it or not, uh, that do fly solo and, and, and um, they they manage to top four sometimes at local GTs, although uh, none of them I'd ever consider to be world-class top-tier players. Uh, but um, it's just so much easier to uh, to join a team and to improve yourself. And I think Team Brohammer, like, really showed us the potential you could have in a team right they they are a group of really good friends who have a great time they all back each other up they're all you know they all have honor and they show great sportsmanship and they also took the, each other to the next level just all of them collectively raised each other um and and i feel like that was kind of like peak pinnacle team 40k so this is this is the bro hammer conversation hey man do you want to be on team bro hammer yeah do you have a levy dread 
Yeah. You're in. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, it's not it's not wrong. <laughs> um, but but anyways, uh, joking aside, um, I think that's super cool. Uh, let, let us know in the comment section below if you uh, participate in ITC teams, um, if you have a team, if you have a community and a group, and uh, you, you know you you like it, but you like it, you don't like it. If there's any improvements that we didn't talk about in the episode? Put those in those comments below. Uh, Peter and Scary, is there anything else you want to add before I kind of move on to the final bit of that topic, and then we answer the patron questions? Don't be afraid no. to be a part of a team. Oh, sorry, Scary. I just yelled over you. That's okay. I totally just spoke over you, man. You know, are we going to do a Canadian standoff right now? No. <laughs> I think, isn't that just where both of you apologize to each other until yes. one of you yes, okay, pretty much. passes out? Pretty much. <laughs> you got it. Okay. Fair, fair enough. All right. Uh, and then the final thing I wanted to address about it is, and I know um, well, I'm going to get some pushback from just from uh, releasing this tournament from those people who, who really care about it. And that's the idea that um, by limiting the teams, um, there might be some sort of uh, negative or, or you know, bad feedback. And uh, to those, I say, you might be right. Um, but I competed in a sport a long time ago where there were realms and units, right? And you don't need to know anything about the sport specifically. However, uh, in the sport when you competed, Sounds you had like your golf. realm. Uh, yeah, sure. You had you had your realm. That was where your your local region was from, right? So that was your overarching larger group of people. You could be all from San Diego or from the West Coast or whatever, and that was your realm. They were your buddies. Um, and then there was units. The units are the guys that you went to battle with, like literally. There there was usually a lot smaller. There was usually a trial process, um, maybe some light hazing. Uh, but these were people that you competed with more than you uh you know created a family with it it wasn't that cut and dry there was you know various shapes and sizes of realms and units however th that always kind of stuck with me and i've seen it used in other communities with with success right um and i don't see why 40k couldn't have anything differently so what i would like to see is an itc um club ranking where you just have like you know massive clubs like our tsms you know or um uh, whatever right beast coast and then you just they're the clubs and then you can give them you can keep it exactly the same where they get you know the 10 best average scores you there's no limits just those are just clubs and then you can have a separate ranking which is just teams which is a lot more it's a lot more niche it's a lot more competitive uh it's more focused on just this small group core group of players and then there you can limit it you can afford to limit it a little bit more you could even maybe limit it to like a few of each faction or uh a, you know a coach that doesn't play and then like a captain that does play right and then you can have more awards right you could have like a cap the best captain award best coach award best xenos team player or something i don't know whatever yeah right you do you you can do all sorts there's, like bob's your uncle live your dream <laughs> We can have teams and clubs. I just, I think we're on the right track. Let's let's add some limitations. Do something special. Make it happen. Let's move on. Boom. All right. On to the patron questions. Also, golf is super weird. Golf is really strange. Realms and units and <laughs> handicaps. And, uh, anyway. All right. So, uh... Every if you're new to the podcast, every uh, every episode at the end of every episode, we like to open the floor to the patrons where we answer their questions live on air. This episode is no exception. If you would like to ask us a question that we answer, 
head on over to patreon.com slash chaptertactics and consider sponsoring the podcast. First question of the day goes to uh, patron uh, Brett. Why aren't ITC teams limited to oh well? Why are ITC teams limited to play ten players? Mega teams are clear a loophole that enable grabbing more players. Blah 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 blah. We kind of already talked about that, uh, Brett. But I did also notice that you posted a second question, so we'll answer that. Um, so the question you asked last week: uh, Should we? Oh man, I'm sorry. You didn't phrase this as a question. Um, you know what? I'm just, just gonna skip that. Sorry, Brett. Just say, just say it. Just say okay. It. I'm just okay. Also, my question from last week about the variable mission turn objectives, so not all games start on turn two. Maybe a game that turn three or four is no primary scoring to emphasize the need to reach out, but yet also survive to those finally scoring turns and not just turtling or reserving units every game. So I think he's talking about uh, more dynamic variable mission turn objectives where uh, turn two isn't necessarily where the game starts or maybe where the focal point of the game is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, What do you think about changing that for GW missions? I think what I would like to see more than that is a change to secondaries um, or a cleaning up of secondaries so that there are um, some more end game ones um, just so that that adds a little bit of spice to that fifth round more than anything. Um, I do kind of like the idea of having like a, a, a free for all round where you don't know what's going to happen leading into the next one. That does sound kind of cute. Um, but I think if we're going to go anywhere, the baby step would be let's add a couple secondaries, a couple more, you know, good secondaries that have an end of game um, objective to them versus being progressive. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep, I would agree with that. I think uh, I think there should there's some secondaries that have some end game stuff, but nowhere near as like much as I feel the game really needs. Or you mean yeah, like... and most of the very popular ones you're seeing right now um, are progressive, right? You're, like raise the banners. Yeah. Um, um, why is my brain not working? The ones that are you know scramblers and stuff. Yeah, things that are that are very progressive. It doesn't really it doesn't matter if you get to the end game. Um, and having a something that that is you know very focused on where are you at at the end of the game will I think be a bigger help to that kind of quote unquote go second mentality that people think is missing right now. Um, whether or not that's true, I think that's how you fix it if there is a problem. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next question comes from Patron Nick. I think this is actually a really good question. Uh, every team has a weakest link, so what's a good way to help catch them up besides telling them to tune into Chapter Tactics? Well, not that. No, definitely not that. Yeah, yeah. Come on, us and the one listener. No, come on. Uh, so, so the art of war. Um, uh, so, I actually think there's a couple ways to catch up the weakest link, and and I've seen this before. Um, the one that I've seen that I've used personally, and the one that I've seen uh, used to the best effect, is to get your weaker players just out to more events. Like the majority of the time, your quote unquote weakest link is someone who just doesn't play that much. Right? It's just most of the time, that's just what I've seen it happen. Uh, very rarely do I see people play. I mean, like, listen, Adam Solis is is a rare exception. He's a gem. He's someone who can play thousands of games of 40k and not win a lot. That's okay. But in general, your team's weakest link is going to be someone who generally doesn't go to events a lot. And so I would just encourage them to go to more events. Maybe you and your teams can uh, split a hotel room, or maybe they have like limited time at home um they you know they have a lot of 
responsibilities with work and home um, that makes it difficult for them to go to events. So try to accommodate them, accommodate them as best as possible and take into account their schedule when you're planning to go to the next event or and so on and so on. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, they're your teammate. They're not some random person. So it's okay to, you know, give a little and, you know, bend over a backwards to help them out a little bit more if it means that you're uh, increasing your team's strength and also getting to hang out with a buddy you rarely get to hang out So to add to that, I think um, if you want to just take it a step back, um, the first thing you should be asking is, is this, is if, if this is the acknowledged weakest link, um, is it, is, are they someone that wants to improve? And if they want to improve, the best way you're going to do it is you take your best player on your team that is actually not a terrible person, in case you happen to have one of those, um, and have that player beat the ever-loving bejesus out of this guy in game after game um, while teaching him. And then every time he beats the crap out of him and teaches him something new, get him to play somebody else and try to imitate what he learned when he got the crap kicked out of him. Um, And then repeat that process over and over again because the way you're going to get better outside of just talking and watching things is getting these games in, like Pablo said. But it's oftentimes, and this is why coaching um, helps so much, um, it is because you have these guys that are able that have this experience that can that can walk you through it. But you still need that physical, that you know, kinesthetic approach. So kick the crap out of him. Have no mercy. The mercy should be in teaching him like the mistakes he made, and then trying to get him to not repeat them, um, or her until they're better and that will make them like inevitably as long as that's what they actually care about and what they want to do it will make them a better player mm, absolutely all right uh scar do you have anything else to add to that nope not at all uh just to reiterate you know a lot of the times when you know we have somebody who starts coaching with us on the art of war or, you know um you know or the patreon for example it's it, a lot of the times it's just to kind of get them to start thinking outside the box and and really like helping them like you consider options and things that they've never really thought of before and then kind of helping them process the information as they play and they practice and things like that and you know a team is a great opportunity and a great way to sort of like tap into that as well if you have a good group of people to to sort of bounce ideas around yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, next question. Um, this one comes from Patron Kelsey. I think Kelsey was thinking more team events or uh, in team tournaments um, instead of just fine. ITC teams, which is totally fine. So Kelsey wants to know, I personally want to know how coaching works, how pairings work, and if you should scout good players or army specialists for your team. Uh, and then the question is, do the hosts have any advice on scraping what points you can from a game, even though the odds are heavily stacked against you? Um so I, I guess we'll, I, I kind of want to address this in two parts. So the first one is um, want to know how coaching works, how pairings work, and how you're scouting good players or army specialists. I highly recommend uh, listening to a Chapter Tactics episode from last year where we talk about team tournaments. It's actually last year in September, uh, one where we went to a team tournament and uh, we had the our teammates that you know we all competed with, um, and we just talked about our experience with the team tournament. I thought, I thought it was a really good chapter tactics episode um that highlighted team events but there's also a couple episodes and then also i would listen and i would listen to uh people who go to etc because uh like scary for instance this is a great question if you want to head on over to scarcast and um you know sign up like and then maybe ask them like on meta monday or something right 
like because Scari is obviously he he's uh, it, this would have been your fourth year going to uh, this would have been my third Canada? this would be my third, third year. year yeah got it fair enough uh, however uh, uh, Scari is someone who who has seen the best of the best uh, in a team tournament he's you know he's competed in and won games in the best and largest team tournament in the world right so uh scary scary would be a good guy to ask also uh anyone from team america or any of the other etc teams if you have access to them uh well, i kick back to that 2019 stat center episode on the etc we had a number of captains on and uh, a few of them actually went pretty in depth on like their pairings process as they went into certain rounds so you can get a lot of information out of that as well yeah there's a lot yeah. of philosophy when it comes to that like coaching for example like and all that stuff like super super important to uh to um to consider there's there's like there's so many different like how to do it how to build your team how to craft like you know it's yeah there's yeah it's there's there's a lot a lot that that you can do that you can do in terms of all that stuff but you know it ju- that's one of the reasons why you want to sort of broaden your team perspective is is get those opinions and you can either go like skewed lists or uh, take all comers lists you know or if you have someone who's like an expert on a specific faction you know um then you then it's usually better to like take somebody who knows their faction than to try and like shoehorn like a medalist in there you know that sort of thing so it, yeah so do some reading do some exploring yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I and to make this to bring this kind of more topical, uh, a lot of those I, I can't wait to see how people start using them to uh, to make ITC teams or to craft ITC teams uh, because a lot of times you, you know you want to uh, you want to pick specific players for your team um, and you know you might need to cut out a weakest link if you want to compete. Right, or you might need to raise everyone up, uh, or you might need to see what factions people play. Right, so for for instance, if Team Brohammered had people who just refused to play Space Marines, they definitely wouldn't have been. They would definitely wouldn't have had the success that they had. Right, so the one important thing, a quality of all their best players last year was they had players who were able to adapt to the meta and all run and tune the same list, and then they all ran that list and did well with it. So. Uh, you know, stuff like that, flexibility in players, all, all of that stuff that applies to picking players for team events, I think applies to a degree to ITC teams as well. Um, and then for the second question, uh, do you have any advice on scraping what points you can from a game, even though the odds are heavily stacked against you? Skari, I feel like you can answer this question best. Yeah. Sorry, you cut out that for a sec. Uh, what is Scraping points, late game. Yeah. How do you do it? Scraping points late game. Well, it it starts with how I'm going to play the 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 game itself. Um, you know, I play the game knowing that every single one of my models is going to die. So, um, at, at but scraping points late game, one of the things that that helps the most is make sure that you when you're practicing, practice by playing the game from start to finish. You know, a lot of people okay. play the game and do, and it's okay, but a lot of people go, you know, I'm going to, um, you know, they'll they'll play two turns and then they'll quit, and then they'll play two turns and then they'll quit, which is great when you're trying to learn, like, main dynamics or whatever to, you know, get a handle or a hang on, um, on, 
you know, um, when you're trying to get a handle or a hang on, like, you know, you're getting yourself set up for an early game or an early, like, you know, an early, like, you know, positional game. But you won't ever know what your army can or cannot do until you, um, until you, you you play like with three models left in your in your in your army, right? <laughs> if you if you can finish a game and you're like, I only have three models left, and you're like, I can still win this, it's because you probably have enough practice with the list in those kind of situations. So just great points out, and just in you know in 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 resume in resume in uh just just play the game from start to finish yeah that's the that's the that's the biggest thing i can say every time whether you're winning you're losing you're having a good game bad game i don't care like if you're not playing the game from start to finish you'll never get yourself into a position to scrape points from the bottom of the barrel absolutely all right and then the final question comes from patron matt uh, something I've always been curious about is why bother why bother with a team? Is there any real benefit to it? What are the detractors? All right, so um, I, I don't need to rehash what we talked about. We talked about some of the benefits of being in a team. But what I specifically want to talk about here is um, what are some of the detractors? What are some of the negative things about ITC teams and being an ITC team that um, you might have experienced uh, that might detract someone from joining a team? So I have one. <laughs> There's not many, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, but one that I personally felt, um, you know, a couple years ago was uh, there's a lot of pressure to to play 40k and and um, maybe shirk some of your other responsibilities. Uh, that's something that I had a really hard time balancing, uh, right? Because I, I had on my team, I had uh, Brandon Grant, Michael Snyder, um, uh, Nick Hayden, people who uh, who played consistently, people who played. 40k consistently and uh, i was you know i have a podcast i played 40k occasionally but i definitely didn't play as much as those guys and there was definitely a lot of pressure on me to play more 40k there were a couple times where i considered just quitting right because i not because i felt like they were pressuring me to play but because i felt like i was bringing the team down in general right so that could be one detractor uh you're the best way to counter that is to kind of just you have to pick the a team that suits you Right. Don't just kind of go for low hanging fruit or go for, you know, just whoever's there. Uh, try to pick a group of guys that you really mesh well with and uh, be honest about what your intent is. You know, if you just want to play one tournament a year, then tell them that. Say, hey, I, I plan on going one in six or one in five at this tournament, you know, once. Um, you know, do you, are you sure you want me on my team? Uh, I'll, I'll buy beer. Um, and then they might be like, oh, yeah, that's cool with us. Or, oh, no, we're, 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 taking the team in another direction, uh, that's okay, as long as you're honest about it. Yeah, I think that's it. Set expectations, because really the only negatives you're going to have to being on a team um, are the ones created just by being in any kind of social grouping. Yeah, 100%. All right, that's the last patron question. There weren't a lot today. Uh, Ascari, if people loved listening to your voice and they want to hear more from you, where can they find you? You can find me on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash scardcast, where we do a whole variety of different things. If you want to come hang out and, you know, support the channel, then you can. Hmm. All right. And then, Peter, if someone is missing their daily, their monthly dose of cacaws, <laughs> where can they hear one final cacaw before they go um, to bed? 
you can hear me in a few places. I am. We do do Stat Center occasionally um, when there's events and when uh, Val, little Valfredo Jr. is agreeable. Um, so hopefully this week we'll be able to put out a kind of super episode for everybody as we get caught up. Um, you can also find me on 40kstats.com. I've been updating it relatively regularly now as we've been getting one or two GTs a month, uh, not a month, a week. Um, so we're actually starting to see where the meta is progressing. Um, we're getting closer to that 2000 game number I'm looking for before I can kind of really get some hardcore details for everybody on where the game is at. Hopefully we get to it before the Space Marine Codex drops. And um, I'm also on uh, weekly on The Honest Wargamer on Tuesday mornings uh, doing the 40k adjacent show with my buddy Val at, at an ungodly hour. And uh, I, you're going to start hearing me on 40k today occasionally as I help uh, guest host with them. And I believe Skari will be too. That is correct. Nice. Right on. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Tune in to the Frontline Gaming Network for awesome content. And as always, you're the best listeners in the world. Have a good one. Bye-bye.